Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Good morning, how's everyone doing today? Good, everyone warm? I know every time we open the door, it goes down a degree. So <laughs> it started out, it was like 80 degrees in here, and then it slowly got it uh, cool. But uh, we're so glad, we're excited to be here. Uh, Pastor Rob is in the West Milford campus. Let's give the West Milford campus a round of applause. Uh, Becky and Pedro Ortiz, they have just completed their one-year internship there. So uh, they're over there celebrating them. We're excited about all that God is doing across our campuses. Uh, for those of you who are new, welcome. My name is Pastor Jeremy. I'm the campus pastor here at the Mawa campus. So um, I, I want to ask you a question. So today is the day that we end our 21-day fast. Who's excited about that? All right, we have everyone have their coffees up and their lattes and everything like that. So we ended the, the Daniel fast. And, and I'm sure if you were like me, there were some of you here that on the first day of the fast, you were already planning the meals that you were going to have to break the fast, right? Who, who already planned out in advance? I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A. I'm going to go here. Well, Chick-fil-A is close today, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go, go to, I don't know, where, wherever you want to go. Who is looking forward to steaks and meat? Anyone? Sandwiches, heroes. Okay. Who is looking forward to, to ice cream or desserts? A couple people, okay. And who, who's looking forward to coffee? I think that's like the number one for those who are off of coffee and, and everything like that. There, there's one couple here that told me before coming to church, they went out for brunch just to make sure they, they, they got filled be, you know, be, before they came here. Or what about pizza and bagels, the New Jersey standard, right? That's everyone, everyone craves that. We can, we can have our pizza and, and bagels back. So... We're really excited. Over these past 21 days, if you are new, we have been doing a Daniel fast in which we have been fasting from certain foods and things, or, or maybe if some of you haven't been fasting from foods, you've been fasting from entertainment or social media or, or some of these other things like that. And uh, over these 21 days, we have been engaged going deeper with God through prayer, going deeper with God through 21 days of devotionals, going deeper with God through the worship nights that we've been having every single week. And our purpose of the fast was for us to start this year off setting aside our cravings, setting aside our desires and our habits to reawaken inside of us a desire for God to reawaken our desire for God. And I hope for all of you here, throughout these last several weeks, you have been going deeper and deeper with God. And you have a greater sense of peace and a greater sense of sensitivity to his spirit and to his presence. Today, what we're going to be doing this morning is we are going to be breaking the fast together by sharing in a meal, sharing in the Lord's Supper meal, a very, very sacred meal. But before we do that, we're going to be taking a deep dive 
to look and see and understand what the Last Supper is all about. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 26. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 26. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So what's going on here in this passage? In this passage, Paul is writing to the city and the church in Corinth. That church was a place where they were in a state of dysfunction. They were in a state of disunity. And he was challenging them to follow God's own instructions to partake in the Last Supper, the covenant meal. Now, throughout Jewish history, God had made many covenants with his people. What is a covenant? A covenant is simply a formalization of an existing relationship that God elects to have with his people. In a covenant, it's one-sided. God administers the covenant out of his grace and provides life-giving promises. The recipient of the covenant receives those promises and lives them out as they act out their lives, walking in obedience to God. Covenants were almost always accompanied by a specific sign. There was some kind of sign or symbol like a rainbow or or something else. And, And oftentimes it involved a blood sacrifice to seal it. And a meal that, that had, to, had to be taken between both parties where they affirmed each other to solemnize it. Just like when you go to a wedding, there, there's always a meal that you have. Now to understand the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, it's first so important to understand the Passover Supper, the Passover feast, which was a sign of the Old Covenant as explained in Exodus. The Passover feast celebrated the deliverance of of the people of Israel from their bondage of slavery in Egypt. And what had happened was the night before God led his people out of Egypt, he told all the Israelite families to find a perfect lamb without blemish, without any defect, and to sacrifice it. And after they sacrificed, what, what they had to do is they had to cover their outside doorpost with the blood of this lamb. And they would cover their doorposts with that blood because God was going to send the final plague to Egypt to kill all the firstborn children in, in Egypt. 
And when God passed over the homes of Israel, he would see the blood as a sign on those doorposts, and he would pass over those homes, sparing their firstborn children. That home would then be redeemed or, or spared by the blood of the lamb whose blood was, was covering it. Next, what God did is he instructed his people to eat the lamb that was sacrificed. And that lamb was prepared in a certain way with no bones broken. And they would have a special ceremony with special symbolic foods that would, they would eat that night. And that meal of the Passover feast was to be celebrated every year by each Jewish family to remember God's faithfulness, to remember how he led them out of Egypt. And in addition to that, they, they had the feast of the unleavened bread, which took place that day and the following seven days that month, where the people were to eat unleavened bread, which was bread without yeast, symbolizing that the, that the Israelites would not have time to let their bread rise overnight, but they had to be dressed and they had to be ready and, and on guard to depart at a moment's notice in haste as they escaped from Egypt. In the years following, the people of Israel followed God's covenant, which was that they had to follow his laws, God's laws given to Moses in order to be protected, to be blessed, and to enjoy all of God's promises. But when the people sinned, they lost that blessing. And in those times, they were invaded. And other times, they were sent into exile, into foreign lands, to go back into slavery that they had walked, already walked out from. God had given them specific laws with instructions to, 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 to conduct a complex system of blood sacrifices in their tabernacle and in their temple. And this they did for generation after generation after generation. The daily sacrifice was a practice for the people of Israel to realize how sinful they were and how much in need they were for a true savior. Then here we come to the Lord's Supper. So what is the Lord's Supper? You know, we call it, in our church, we call it as communion, which basically means to partake. As we, as a group, we partake together. In some churches, it's, or, or there's another term, we also call it the Eucharist, which means thanksgiving, because it is something that you celebrate as an act of thanksgiving and gratefulness, the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper, or the Last Supper, was celebrated by Jesus and his disciples on Maundy Thursday. It was the day that Jesus was in Jerusalem, and he was preparing for his death, and, and he, was, he, he was celebrating the Passover feast with his disciples. He had told his disciples to go out and, and prepare this meal and prepare this feast for them. In the narratives, in the Gospels, in the different narratives of the Last Supper, there, there's one important thing that, that you may notice. In the instructions for that meal, there is no reference to a lamb in itself. 
at the Last Supper. The lamb was supposed to be the centerpiece of the meal. It would be like a turkey during Thanksgiving, but there's no mention of it. Now, we assume that there was a lamb there because that's how they prepared it. But I believe the reason it was, it was, it was missed, it, it was not included, was, was the fact that Jesus himself was a lamb at that meal. That Jesus himself was a centerpiece of that night and of that covenant meal. All the previous Passovers that had taken place and all the previous temple sacrifices that had taken place were pointing to this future reality that was now present in Christ. And then Jesus the next day, which was Good Friday, would go willingly and die on the cross on his own and be the sacrificial, sinful, sinless lamb whose blood covers us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So whoever puts their faith in Christ's sacrifice has been redeemed. And then when God looks at humanity with judgment and sees that you are covered by Christ's blood, he covers over you. And, and he passes over you. His, he passes over his wrath and the punishment that we deserve. This is the new covenant. So what are characteristics of this new covenant? How is this new covenant different from the old covenant based on the law? Jeremiah 31, 33 says, But this is the new covenant. I will make with my people, with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. The end of verse 34. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Once we are covered in Christ's blood, we no longer have to live a life in bondage of the law, which was impossible to keep, but now we get to live under grace. Amen? And now living in grace, we have his Holy Spirit, which is deposited in our lives, who guides us into all truths following his ways. And if we are covered by his blood, he will no longer remember our sin. Jesus' last words on the cross were, it is finished, which means the work is done. It is complete. There is no more need for any more animal sacrifices or any other sacrifices to take place. The word in, in, in Greek used for this phrase, it is finished, is tetelestai, which refers to the term used to say paid in full. It is finished, paid in full. They, they found historical receipts from, from back in the day, and, and when a receipt had been paid, and when the balance had been paid, they, they wrote this term, paid in full. That's what Jesus meant when he said, it is finished. The debt has been paid. This new ordinance of the Lord's Supper what's, was instituted by and installed by Jesus for all believers to practice. What I want to do is I, I want to invite the band to, to come up. And you can change uh, 
the lighting to, to worship lighting. What we're going to be doing for the next 15 minutes is we're going to be entering into a worship service of communion. If you didn't receive a, a communion element, uh, the connectors are in the back. They can, they can give you one. You just raise your hand. You know, taking communion is not something that, that just has this vertical component between us and God. But there is also a horizontal component. Communion is something that we do together with others. It's something that we share with fellow believers. Communion is an ordinance, or some churches they refer to it as a sacrament, that is celebrated by all Christians around the world. Now, different denominations have different, different beliefs about the nature of the elements, but what's most important is that when we do this, we don't do this alone, but we do this with each other, with fellow believers. In the passage that we read in Corinthians, if you continue on reading, it tells us that, that one of the most important things that we do when we come to the communion table is to spend some time in confession. It says we must examine our hearts. We must examine ourselves. We must ask the Holy Spirit to look deep inside us and see if there's anything inside us that is, that is away from the Lord or contrary to him. When we take the elements, we, we are instructed to take these elements seriously, to, to, to not just think that this is a blind ritual, but to posture our hearts in the right way. So let's take a few moments and examine our hearts. After these 21 days of the fast, Let's examine our hearts as we just listen to the, the instrumental music in the back. Maybe you want to sit. Maybe you want to kneel and ask Jesus, I confess. I confess of my habitual sins. I confess of, of my pride. Maybe you have to confess of jealousy. You have to confess of the revenge that you've had in your heart. We confess of our bitterness. We confess of our hatred toward others. God, you are concerned not just about what's at the outside of the cup, but what's on the inside. Is the inside of your cup clean? Is there some person that you need to forgive in your heart right now? Holy Spirit, would you reveal who that person is? God, we surrender that person to you. You died so that we can be set free from bitterness that we hold on to. So Jesus, I'm sorry. We repent. Let us say, Jesus, I need your saving grace. Not just eternally, but now. I need your saving grace all the time. I need to live in it. And I need your life in me. 
Spirit, would you just search us? Would you meet us, God? We confess to you. Just take a moment to let the Lord, to let the Spirit bring those things to light as we examine ourselves. We do this because, and as believers, we have already been forgiving, forgiven. But we don't want anything to stand in the way of, our, of God's presence. He calls us to have pure hearts. He calls us to have pure hands. He's willing to forgive. Corinthians 11 23 it says on the night when he was betrayed Jesus the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it then he broke it in pieces and said this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me you see Jesus made this symbol of the new covenant not just a catechism, not just a ritual to, to do or to memorize, but he made this a multi-sensory experience. Taking communion involves all of the five senses. Sight, we get to see the element. Sound, we get to hear the element being broken and given out. Touch, we get to feel it. Smell, we get to smell it. Taste, we get to taste the elements as they go into our body. When you partake, it is a multi-sensory experience that connects our mind to our heart and to our body. It becomes a part of us. What better way to remember? The bread that was used in communion was an unleavened bread. In the New Testament, yeast was, was considered in that time as a, as a New Testament symbol of sin. And during the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, it was an opportunity for the people to fast from all the good leavened breads and the cakes and the breads and the pastries and all the decadent things that, that they were used to. As we as a church complete this, this fast, and had to fast from, from regular breads and, and decadent foods and things that we had desired for 21 days. It raised our awareness to have a deeper desire for the need, for life, for the bread that only Christ provides. When Jesus took the bread, he said, this is my body. The translation really means, this is me. 
This is me. This is all that I am broken and given to you. Jesus says in John, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. I am the bread that gives life. I have been broken so that you who are broken can be made whole physically and spiritually and emotionally. This is how amazing and undeserving his grace is. We no longer have to be broken. We no longer have to be controlled by sin, but we could be identified by God. Because in our new life through Jesus, we have been made whole. So as we move into this this first segment, I invite you to eat the bread together and let us sing in worship.
accept our praises, right? It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. As we thank you for your bread, your bread that has been broken to make us whole. Thank you, Jesus. As we continue in our movement of communion, we're going to be looking at next at the wine. In 1 Corinthians 11.25, Jesus says, In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. This wine is the symbol of his blood. During the Passover, wine was the symbol of the lamb's blood that was spread over the doorpost of the home. God spared all of the firstborn while those of the Egyptians died. And the people were finally set free from generations of of slavery. It was a sign of his covenant. And after the people had left Egypt and when they were in the wilderness, God renewed the covenant he had with Moses. So Moses took an animal and he sacrificed it. And he took the blood and he sprinkled the blood and covered the people that were there with it in following with the the Passover. And for generations after that, they continued blood sacrifices in the temple. But just as the blood of the lamb rescued the Israelites from slavery, It is the blood of Jesus that saves us from the slavery of sin. Amen? When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he proclaimed, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This wine and communion represents the blood of Jesus, our salvation. It changes everything for us. We get to live in Christ's grace and his victory. His presence and spirit is always with us. We will always be accepted. We will always be loved. We will always be in relationship with him, never alone. This is the new covenant. There's an old, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8 through 11, Paul writes, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since 
We have been made right with, in God's sight by the blood of Christ. He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. You know, there's an old hymn that says that there is power, power, power in the precious blood of the Lamb. The amazing thing is the story of the good news of Jesus didn't end in his death, but it continues. Three days later, he rose again, and we get to experience the power of the resurrection now, today, in our lives. Maybe there are some of you here today that you need healing, physical healing in your life, and you are desperate. I know I do. I know I, I, my brother does. And if that's you, the blood of Jesus covers you. The prophet Isaiah says, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Maybe there's some of you here today that, that you are in need of deliverance, that there is a war and struggle going on in your mind. If that's you, the blood of Jesus covers you. Let this be a prophetic act when you take the blood that you stand in faith. Maybe there's some of you here today that, that you are, need to do battle with the enemy. The blood of Jesus covers you. Claim his blood over your family, over your situation, over your conflict. Revelation 12, 11 says that we, the church, we overcome the enemy by what? By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Maybe there's some of you here today that you need to be reminded of his love and his presence and you've been outcast and alone. The blood of Jesus covers you. Maybe there's some of you here that you have backslided in your faith and you are longing for forgiveness. The blood of Jesus covers you. This is what the table is for. And maybe there's some of you here today that you are far from God and you have never received him and you've never heard that this good news is for you. And the table is open for you no matter what your past is. The blood of Jesus covers you. Your debt is paid in full. Let's drink his blood together and sing in worship. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is the As we move into our last movement, 
of communion. We celebrate communion because it gives us hope for the future. It says in verse 26, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. When we celebrate communion, it is a testimony and it is a declaration of what we believe as believers. It is a physical and a tangible illustration of the message of the gospel. And we are instructed as the church to celebrate this communion feast until he returns again. And until he returns again, we as the church must announce his death by preaching the gospel message of his good news and taking it to the ends of the earth as we complete the Great Commission. Jesus has asked us to celebrate communion, not just because we look back to the past, that we look to this Lord's Supper, that we look to the cross, but we also look forward to his coming again. We believe that Jesus is our coming King. Amen? And he is coming to restore all things. And there is one more meal that Christ has prepared for us. And we've only had a foretaste. In Revelation 19, it says that one day we will all be guests for the wedding supper of the Lamb and be in his presence forever. So with that, when we take communion, we cry the word Maranatha, which means come, Lord Jesus, come. As we close and end this fast, I want to ask you a question. What satisfies you? What satisfies you? What are you hungry for? Are you hungry for the Lord? Do you desire the Lord only? Deep down, do you have a desire to want more of Him? Is Jesus all that you need? And if you've been journeying through this fast, this is the place that he has been calling us to. This is the destination where, that he has been wanting to take us, where we are fully surrendered to him. As we embark on this new year, let us set aside all of our unhealthy desires and our habits to fill the voids in our life. Let us let go of the drugs. Let us let go of the alcohol and the overeating and the habitual sins and the unhealthy relationships and, and any unhealthy ties to greed or material possessions or pride or what it is. I want to invite you to stand up as we close in worship. Let us proclaim, Jesus, you are the only one that can satisfy our every need. You are the only one that can satisfy the deepest desires in our hearts. You are the only one that can satisfy our life in its fullness. Let's worship together. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org. 